I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor in 2019 to the podcast, pageantswag.com. You see, I've been around the pageant world for some time now, and I have had numerous title holders and guests tell me that there were zero sites for casual fashion dedicated to you, the pageant lovers. So Pageant Swag decided to solve this problem. They've created this great e-commerce store full of everything from fun graphic t-shirts and crop tops to sweatshirts and hoodies, and they've even got a really cool lineup of both yoga and capri leggings, and it's all focused on you, the pageant lover. Check it out today and use the promo code LIFEAFTERTHECROWN for 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's pageantswag.com. One more time, pageantswag.com. Hey, y'all. It's Miss America 2016, Betty Maxwell, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. Your new Miss America is Miss Georgia, Betty Cantrell. That is host Chris Harrison naming Betty Maxwell Miss America 2016 in Atlantic City. She was only the second Miss Georgia, by the way, to ever take home the title of Miss America. After her year as Miss America, she came out with her first album called Nicotine, which is available on iTunes and Spotify. And she certainly isn't short on other talents either. She now works as a motivational speaker, an actress, a model, a pageant coach and consultant, a makeup enthusiast, a soon-to-be-published author, and she continues to travel the country astounding audiences with her vocal performances of all genres. She lives in Atlanta with her husband, business manager, and personal bodyguard, by the way, that's pretty cool, Spencer, and their two teacup Yorkies, Moose and Batman. It's been a while since I've had a Miss America on, so it's so great to welcome Betty Maxwell to the podcast. How are you? I am doing great. I love that I'm only your second Miss America, or not only your second, but your first in a long time. That's yeah. so cool. I'm really, really proud to be on the podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I, I actually, I'm thinking you're third, actually. So I had Mallory Hagen and third. Erica Dunlap on before. And then uh, wow, I believe I have so Savvy cool. Shields coming up here in a few weeks. So I'm excited about that. Yes, I just spoke with Savvy. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on with Tim Fialdo, too, right after you are. So <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm running the Miss America circuit here, apparently. Yeah. Well, obviously, just by that intro alone, uh, we can all tell, tell how talented you are. And anybody that saw your Miss America performance knows that as well. 
Um, so I certainly, you know, as we go through the podcast here, want to get into all those areas. But tell everybody what you've been doing since you gave up the crown of Miss America and what's going on in the Betty Maxwell household. Oh, my goodness. So I've been up to so much. And I was actually just I was talking. I think it was with Savvy the other day. We were on the phone and I was telling her, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that I was only 21 when I won the title <laughs> of Miss America. And now I'm 24. I'm going to be 25 September 1st. So it's like, oh, my gosh, how has it been that long? How has it already been almost, oh, my goodness, almost four and a half, five years since I won Miss America? That just blows my freaking mind. Like, I cannot believe it. Um, making me feel old over here. But But I've been up to so much since Miss America. Um, and, yes, it, it feels like it was just yesterday, but at the same time, forever ago. Uh, it's crazy. But I've uh, since then moved to Nashville and moved back to Atlanta. We lived in Nashville for two years, me and my then fiancé, Spencer, um, mm-hmm. now husband. But we lived in Nashville for two years where I recorded my first album and uh, got my music career kind of off the ground with my producer in Nashville. And then we ended up moving back to Atlanta once uh, once we got married because we wanted to buy a house and we wanted to be a little bit closer to our family, but still, you know, close enough to the airport and to, you know, the busy life of Atlanta where we could oh, yeah. still do all of our traveling and everything. And um, then recently, I uh, actually was signed with Jay Purvis Talent Agency in Atlanta and a Click Modeling Agency in Atlanta. So that's the acting and modeling that I've been doing. Um, been doing lots of really cool things with them. And then obviously, still continue traveling, doing lots of events and appearances, motivational speaking, uh, performing. Uh, concerts, all kinds of stuff. And then um, obviously I've got my book coming out in October, my personal autobiography that I'm so excited about. And it's actually available for pre-order right now on Amazon. So I'm so excited. Lots of big things. Wow. Such a boring lifestyle, Betty. (laughs) So boring. So boring. Yeah. So uh, I want to get into all that. But um, as as with everybody I have on, especially when it comes to national title holders and and somebody especially in the America system, I do want to talk about just the whole experience of going through uh, the Miss America system, obviously winning the national crown and just what that was all like. So uh, take me back to when you started competing and really why that happened. So I actually did not have a typical pageant life pageant story like like most pageant girls um i only i started doing pageants when i was 19 um so i was kind of a really late bloomer um and it was really intimidating being so late coming into the game because you know when you first start out all the girls you're competing with have been doing it their whole lives and you know they've been preparing and preparing for this moment you know to compete on the state level and the national level and you're just coming in like oh i'm such a noob you know like everybody knows how to do this except me <laughs> you know and um cuz there is such a way about it you know there's so there's so much to learn and it, it really is like its own its own game you know you have to learn the ins and outs and you know how to be a pageant girl you know it's crazy and so um, I, I was so late coming into it. I really did feel like an outcast, like out of place. So, um, but I, I really just kind of fell into it. My mom actually, it was during my freshman year of college and my mom, uh, met the local director for the Miss Warner Robins pageant, which is my hometown. And she asked my mom, why doesn't Betty compete in pageants? And my mom's like, well, to be honest, we've just never even thought about it. Like it never even crossed our minds. And uh, I was totally unaware of this whole pageant world that existed. And uh, she said, well, Betty could do pageants. You know, she's, she's pretty and she can walk in high heels. Like she can do it. She can talk. Right. And uh, my mom was like, well, I'll ask her about it. So 
my mom asked me about it and I immediately, I was like, no, I am not a pageant girl. I am not doing this. Like, mom, why would you even ask? And uh, I grew up on a farm. So I just, you know, I've just never been interested. And um, I didn't think of myself as a pageant girl. I, I, I truly believed in the pageant stereotypes, the, you know, mean catty girls who are very superficial and yeah. shallow. And, mm-hmm. and I, I truly believed that. And I just was like, no, I'm, I'm not like that. I, I, I wouldn't fit in with that group. And then my mom told me about, you know, the opportunities to sing in front of audiences. It's about the talent competition, which I've always loved singing since I was three years old. I knew I wanted to be a singer and an actress. That's I've, I've never wavered on that my whole life. And so that really caught my attention that there was a talent competition. And um, then, of course, the scholarships. I was a freshman in college, so I was like, okay, I can win some scholarships, get some recognition for my talent. Like, that would feel pretty good. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. So I ended up trying the Miss Warner Robbins pageant. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no coaching. I had no preparation. I wore my Aunt Dodie's evening gown from, like, the 80s, maybe the 70s. I'm not really sure, actually, um, from back when she competed in pageantry. And uh, so that was my evening gown. All the other girls are wearing, you know, Sherry Hill, Giovanni, all the, you know, big wigs. And I, oh. I hadn't even heard of Sherry. I hadn't even heard of Sherry Hill at this point in my life. Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, I was so out of place, Tim. It was crazy. And uh, but I ended up being first runner up. And um, I was like, oh, and I won overall talent. So I was like, OK, maybe I should try again. I'll, I'll try again. and We'll see what happens. And I was first runner up again at another local pageant. And uh, I did another pageant after that one, another local in Atlanta, and I was first runner up again, one talent. And I was like, okay, this is kind of getting irritating. Now I, I kind of want to win. Like what's going on? <laughs> uh, right when I was about to give up, one of the field directors um, for that area in Georgia was like, Betty, you need to try one more time. I really see a lot of potential in you. Just try this one, one more local. And I did it and I won and I was so excited. But then that meant that I had to go compete at Miss Georgia. And I was like, crap, I should probably get some coaching because I have no idea what I'm doing here. (laughs) And so I uh, finally, you know, started working with the directors from my local and they taught me everything there was to know. And um, I really, you know, started becoming kind of passionate about it because I, I, you know, picked my platform, Healthy Children, Strong America. And uh, I really, really liked the idea of being this role model in this organization and um, having that title and actually being able to influence people. And so I was second runner up my first year at Miss Georgia um, as Miss Presidential Pathways, and I was overall talent winner. And so I decided to, I was like, I have to come back. I have to try again. I was second runner up my first time. And uh, so I I went back and actually won Miss Warner Robbins, my first local that I tried in my hometown, went back to Miss Georgia my second time and won Miss Georgia and then went on to win Miss America. And here you are. And here I am today. (laughs) Long story short, basically. Well, no, and it's really good because I think what you said, you know, you grew up on a farm, probably, I would guess you were a tomboy. You know, I was always half and half. Like I, you would see me like five years old, naked, playing in the dirt. <laughs> and then you would see me at dinner time. I would make my mom announce me for dinner. Like literally I would That's make good. my mom, I would, I would put on my nicest dress, like princess dress, you know, and then I'd tell my mom, okay, I'm ready. And she would say, announcing Betty Cantrell for dinner. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And so, uh, I, I really always dabbled in both. I always loved, you know, being the farm girl and being on the tractor and shooting guns with my dad. And, but I also loved makeup and dressing up and singing. So I was always half and half. 
Well, I'd love to know this uh, because I think since you've gotten into pageants and just in the, I, I would say in the last five years here, I mean, there are so many organizations for pageants anymore. I mean, it's like it's like a sampler platter when you go out there. It's like you can participate right. in whatever. Um, at the time, um, why did you choose America over any other at that point? Was it just because it was the best, most well-known one or? You know, it was because that woman who was the, her name is Marcy Waugh. She was the local director for Miss Warner Robbins. And it was because she was the one who approached my mom. Like that's really, honestly, the only reason, because I honestly didn't even know that there were so many pageant systems at that point. Like I said earlier, I didn't even know this whole pageant universe existed. Um, I mean, it is like another world that a lot of people don't know exists and uh, until you're brought into it. So I didn't even know there were so many other pageant systems to choose from. I just chose this one because it was what was presented to me. And I was really intrigued by the talent competition, to be honest, because I'm just, you know, I just love performing so much. Well, and you mentioned something that I hear from a lot of uh, title holders, and that is, you know, when you were first approached about it, it was like, hell no, I am not a pageant girl. Right. I don't want any part of this. Um, I, yeah. I, I would love to know, you know, you, you kind of mentioned what the stereotype is, and that's very true. Um, that's right. always been the, the narrative and the stereotype. After you got into it and you experienced it, what was the difference between what you thought and what it actually was? You know, honestly, I feel like the stereotype doesn't come from nowhere. You know, it obviously stems from something very real. But I would not say that that is what the whole of pageantry is. What I've experienced in pageantry, yes, there will always be those girls who are not very nice. There will always be the mean girls, the shallow girls, but that is not the majority. That is a very small minority. And you're going to find that anywhere in life. There will always be bullies. There will always be mean people in the world. And, um, but in pageantry, I've experienced some of the closest friendships that I've ever made. I had three of my Miss America's sisters in my wedding as bridesmaids, you know, which I was one of those girls that was like, scoff, whatever. (laughs) I am not. Heck no. They're not. Are you kidding? I am not meeting my bridesmaids at two weeks in at Miss America. Like, no way. And here I am, you know, with three of them in my wedding. You know, it's crazy. You meet the sweetest, most talented smartest girls because the girls competing in pageants are not what people think they're not airheaded the girls who compete in pageants have to be smart you have to be or you will not succeed uh and and it's crazy because people really don't know this um but the girls i've met have really made me want to be better made me want to strive for greatness strive for more just so i can you know be like them i want to grow up and be smart like miss america you know because uh she's she speaks and she's all over the country performing and you know giving these keynote addresses and it you have to be smart to do this and uh, i think that's something that a lot of people don't know and something i for sure didn't know uh when i first started so i definitely learned that the stereotype just really doesn't hold up whatsoever. And I personally made it my mission to disprove that stereotype and be the opposite of that during my year as Miss America. Well, I think you did a great job. I had a chance to watch your pageant last night. Uh, of course, the Atlantic City pageant there with the, uh, I've been to that venue. That runway is just simply fantastic. Oh, I mean, it, it couldn't be more perfect epic. for pageants. And I'm sure it's epic to walk down it uh, with the crown oh, on your head. Oh my goodness. But, um, you know, watched you go through the pageant. 
Um, you had such excitement every time you got announced. I mean, you were like, "Woo!" <laughs> I mean, it was we were ready to go. And you know, Chris yeah. Harrison announces you Miss America. Um, I guess I, I would just love to know the the moment. Obviously, is kind of the same for everybody. It's just it's indescribable. You can't really tell anybody until they go through it. But talk about the year exactly. um, and actually being Miss America because everybody dreams of it and they talk about it and they say, "This is my total goal in life right now." the realities of it from your standpoint? Um, you know, this is something I talk about in depth in my book. And uh, it, it's something that, like you said, you know, you really cannot fathom what it's really like unless you've been there, unless you've done it. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, today, Miss America isn't even what it was like when I was Miss America. You know, it's changed so much now. I don't even recognize it, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> that's is. another story. We're not even going there yet. But, um, you know, when, when I was Miss America, hashtag OG Miss America, um, it was traveling every single day. You know, I, I mean, I was on a plane. I was at the airport pretty much every two days um, traveling somewhere new. Uh, the, the whole Miss America travels 20,000 miles per month was very accurate during my year. Um, and I'm sure, as you know, and, but some people may not, when you're a singer and you win Miss America, you're twice as busy because the singers have the ability to perform wherever they go. When you're a dancer or a musician or, you know, you have some other sort of talent, it's kind of hard for you to get bookings based on your talent. But people love booking Miss America to sing the national anthem. And I can't tell you how many times I sang the national anthem during my year. I mean, it had to have been at least 200 times, at least. It was crazy. So wow. just keeping up that schedule of traveling pretty much every two days, um, being at the airport all the time, living in hotels. I mean, Miss USA gets an apartment. Miss America does not. Miss America lives in hotel rooms her whole year. You live out of two suitcases. You're shipped new clothing from the clothing sponsor. Well, the clo we used to have a clothing sponsor. Now, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think they ruined that. From, yeah, I think they blew it. Um, but, so the clothing sponsor would ship you clothes. Uh, you send all the clothes that you've already worn. You put them in the box, ship them back. And uh, you don't get to choose what you wear. It's whatever they send. That's what you have to wear. That's what you have in your two suitcases. And um, then you're constantly, you're speaking and performing. Well, I was performing and speaking pretty much every single event. Um, so it wasn't just, you know, meet and greet and a short speech. It was perform two songs, speak, meet and greet. So it was just double, double, double. And, you know, they would say, you know, Miss America really sh isn't supposed to have appearances that last longer than four hours. My I, I, I always had days that went stemmed from six to 12 hours. I mean, you're just working, working, working. And those are really more the realistic parts of being Miss America. But uh, there are other realities like the little kids, the faces that you get to meet and the, the impressions that you leave and just walking into a room with that crown on your head and just seeing the faces light up in the schools, in the hospitals, wherever you're going, just the impact that you have as Miss America with that crown on your head, people notice, people listen. And I took that so much to heart that, wow. I, I have a voice with this crown on my head. But what I learned even more than that was I have a voice without this crown on my head. You know, it really taught me to appreciate what I bring to the table, what I bring to the, to the title, what I bring to the world. I have a message and I have something to say. And 
I, you know, my message mainly was, you know, not only my platform, Healthy Children, Strong America, but um, also being yourself, loving yourself. You know, if I hadn't been 100% Betty Cantrell, clumsy and, you know, whatever, you know, answering that Tom Brady question, which I still don't know the answer. uh, (laughs) I wouldn't have won Miss America if I hadn't tripped in my evening gown. I wouldn't have won Miss America. And I, I truly believe that because the judges saw that real girl inside of me. And then, you know, that even though I tripped, I laughed it off. You know, I I was just a hundred percent me. And that's why I won Miss America. And that was, you know, the story that I told everywhere I went, you know, if you, if you're not a hundred percent yourself, you will not succeed in life. Your, your unique abilities are what make you special. And, you know, even my clumsiness made me special. (laughs) So that was something that I really loved talking about during my year. And I think you actually had a chance to talk to one of your judges. I think you made an appearance with Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Yes, I did. And, uh, yeah, we got to present an award. I think, I don't, I can't remember which one it was. Was it the AMAs? I'm not sure. But I, and I, and I got to talk to my judges right after I won, um, all of them. And Brett Eldridge was the first one to come up to me because he asked me the Tom Brady question Mm -hmm. and he comes up to me and he goes, Betty, I am so sorry about that question. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not his. um, He's basically handed the question. Right. Exactly. He was like, I promise you, I did not write that question. They gave us the questions. But as soon as I read it, I felt so sorry for whoever got it. And I was like, "Ah, it's okay, Brett, we can still be friends. Like, it's okay. Um, But the judges actually told me, because after I won, I, I, I went up to them and I asked them, I was like, how how did I win? I, I truly didn't believe I, I was going to win because of that question and tripping in my evening gown. And I don't know if you know this, but I had earrings falling off all night. Like it was just crazy. And they told me, Betty, you were the realest one. We could relate to everything that you did that night. We could relate. And we knew that that's what Miss America needs to be. Somebody relatable, you know, the girl next door that, you know, any little girl can look up to and be like, Oh, if she can win Miss America, I can win Miss America. And I took that with me my entire year and, and you know, spoke that truth to every little, every hopeful little girl that I met. Well, you mentioned uh, one of the things that you go through um, when, you, when you hit that national stage, uh, you get into the top 10, top 15, top five, is the question. Yours was a, a, mm-hmm. a Tom Brady-based question. But I think one <laughs> of the critiques uh, that the world outside of pageants always has about pageants is that, if it's called a beauty pageant and it is about beauty and, and intelligence and, you know, all these other areas that come into play, the talent, why is it that somebody like you is asked to solve the world's problems and only has 20 seconds to do it? I think that's what been always, always one of the critiques. And I would love to know from your standpoint, do you like that the, the fact that it's so difficult when they get to those top five questions or would you prefer that it changed a little bit more to maybe show more personality or, or just something different? I would love for it to have been more about personality, um, something personal that we could share because everyone in the world knows that we all want world peace, like end all, <laughs> be all, end game. Yes, we all want world peace. We all want to, you know, make the world a better place. So I feel like those answers are so expected. So I do feel like it should be more personal. And, uh, you know, I studied so hard for that moment, you know, because I just expected political, political questions. That's mm-hmm. what that's what it always is. It's current events. And I just I studied and studied, you know, because it's not just for that. It's for the interview portion, too. You have to study and prepare and to get 
a question about whether or not Tom Brady cheated was just such a letdown for me. I was like, man, all that <laughs> studying. Why wasn't I just watching football? I would have been so much better prepared. <laughs> so I just felt so just, you know, that, that, that was just not fair for me in that moment. But, you know, I just accepted it. That's what happened. You know, I definitely cried a little bit after that because I just knew I hadn't won. You know, I knew that that blew it for me. But, you know, another thing, for an example, you know, the, the reason or not the reason, but the uh, the excuse for getting rid of swimsuit or one of the examples for giving up swim the swimsuit competition, which I'm very sad about, is that Miss America never wears a swimsuit during her year. So why do we need a swimsuit competition? Well, I should say the same thing for the onstage question. I mean, they're quizzing us on political questions and current events. Yet, while I was Miss America, if I was asked a political question, my tour manager was quick to cut me off and say, no, don't answer that. So I wasn't allowed to talk about my political views, my thoughts on current events during my year as Miss America. It's almost like you're silenced or they they take away your voice when it comes to those important issues. Um, But they want you to answer it in 20 seconds in front of millions of people. Of course. So the, things like that are it's, it's kind of hypocritical um, and it's very irritating to have to be put on the spot in front of millions of people. And, uh, you know, you know, half the country is going to hate your answer and half the country is going to love your answer. So it's 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 really hard. Well, I want to hit on something that you brought up. I certainly don't want to get too far into it. But last week I did a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did a state of pageantry <laughs> podcast with Ebony Williams. We talked about, you know, the state of pageants in general, not just Miss America. But we did hit on that. And, of course, the leadership change and everything that you just mentioned about swimsuit and all that kind of stuff. Um, as a former Miss America who went through the system and had certain things that you loved about it and obviously aspired to be, um, you mentioned earlier that you don't recognize it anymore. Are we filtering way too far into political, social, culture movements and, and feminism and, and getting rid of what it's all about? 100 percent. Yes. You know, I, I really it's it's heartbreaking for me. It's really sad because Miss America is it is history. It is tradition. And that's what it is. And when you take that away, what is it anymore? You know, if you take away what it all started with, a swimsuit competition, that's all it was when it started. Uh, When you take that away, and that's just one thing that's been taken away, you know, it's ever changing. Every day I, I look at my phone and I have some notification, some text from someone about what they've changed now, what's different now. And, and it, it's almost like <laughs> it's now daily. it's like they're just yes, daily. And it's like, oh, well, it can't get worse. Oh, but then I wake up the next morning and something else happened and it, it get worse, gets worse and worse and worse. And it's, it's so sad for me and previous Miss Americas because we know what it takes to be Miss America. And it shouldn't, it, it's almost like they're making it easier. They're making it more average. They're making it so that, and yes, anyone, any girl who puts in the work can be Miss America. 100% I believe that. But it shouldn't just be anybody. It should be someone who is worthy, who does put in the work, who has been through what it takes to prepare for something of that level. You know, like not anyone can just go compete in the Olympics. You have to prepare. They should make the Olympics, the Olympic trials easier so that more people can be in the Olympics. Then it wouldn't be the Olympics. So I feel like that's what's happening. And yes, with the whole feminism thing that you were talking about, 
I would definitely consider myself a feminist 100%. But there's this point where it gets to be radical. There's this point where it gets to be, there's a difference between equality and, you know, being a man hater, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, and that's, I feel like the point that we're getting at that radical feminism where the me too movement is just, you know, kind of pushing it too far where Miss America isn't supposed to be a me Me too movement. It's supposed to just empower women. It's supposed to be a challenge that, you know, we, we crown and we honor the most, ideal woman she is the ideal from the song which i'm sure the song offends them now probably they're probably really offended by the song um you know and it's just too much like we just want it to be how it was yes we needed branding help yes we needed marketing help but now we need help with everything everything's a mess (laughs) you need to build it from the ground up Exactly. They're changing things for the sake of change, like changing platform, our platforms. They've changed that to be social impact initiative. Like why? Why couldn't it just be a platform? You know, it's just I don't understand. They just want to change things just just to change. Well, yeah. And, you know, I saw a video the other day that kind of really describes people on uh, we'll call it that side of the movement. Um, It was an old Mm -hmm. I think it was it was right around the time you were crowned. It was a do you know the John Oliver show? I think it's called last week or something. Um, oh, I don't it was, think so. It was like this 15-minute segment. You were actually in it, um, talking oh about goodness. the Miss America system and how they were fleecing the scholarship numbers. But then it went into just talking about the beauty part of it. And he had a shot of Chris Harrison walking along all of you in this, on the stage saying, welcome to the Miss America pageant. And they paused it, and he's like, how the hell does something like this even occur anymore where we're putting women up on a stage? And the, I think it's the, it's sad that they look at it like it's a meat market because, right. you know, even you as somebody who were standing up there, I know that's not how you look at it, but that's the perception from the uh, radical, angry feminist side of the movement. And I think they're I standing agree. it for everybody else. And I wish they would stand up to it because what you mentioned earlier was exactly true. They're trying to please everybody. And by trying to please everybody, they're pleasing nobody. And, you know, exactly. again, if you want to compete, Guess what? It's hard work. Not it's not for everybody. Yep. It shouldn't be for it's everybody. For, and if it, it is, I mean, then what the hell's the point of a pageant? Exactly. Exactly. You know, there comes a point in time where you have to accept it's a competition. One girl is going to win out of the thousands that are competing to be on that stage. And, you know, it's just like what you said with, you know, the swimsuit competition, you know, they're trying to please everybody. And in the end, they're pleasing no one. Girls have been competing in this pageant for almost a hundred years. And now when everything's starting to change, we've seen numbers lower than they've ever been. Atlantic City doesn't even want them anymore. And Atlantic City needs Miss America. You know, that's one of their biggest attractions. And they're even saying, you know what? No, like it's, we can't. And, and it's, it's so sad because that is our home. Atlantic City is the home of Miss America, and it, it holds so many special memories for me. And just the fact that it's, they, Atlantic City doesn't even recognize Miss America anymore is just, it's so, so sad. Yeah, what is it, like you the know, Mohegan and, Sun in, where is it this year? In Connecticut. Connecticut yeah, I mean, in, where, in where Connecticut, is that? It, <laughs> in the winter, it, December, right before Christmas. I mean, I just, the same night as Miss Universe, I just don't. On a Thursday, like I could keep going on, like yeah. on and on and on. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it, it's truly, it's just heartbreaking because I just want Miss America back. And like I said, girls have been competing in this for hundreds, a hundred years almost. And 
by the thousands. The numbers have never wavered. And now all of a sudden, the numbers have dropped considerably. Local, Local pageants are dropping out like we lost i think three or four locals in georgia this year mm-hmm. and i i'm just i keep hearing rumors of things that are going to be happening this year with miss america you know and I, obviously I, i'm not going to talk about them because i don't know if they're true but i keep hearing things that are just making me even sadder and just even sadder and it's just like why 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 is this happening and and you know we all signed that petition back when the leadership you know was first changed and we all realized how bad it was getting And we were like, okay, let's all sign a petition. Let's raise money. We had hundreds of thousands of signatures and they still wouldn't step down. So I just don't understand who they think they're pleasing here. Well, I'll tell you who they're pleasing themselves. And that's the unfortunate truth of it right now is I think what's happening inside the Miss America organization in particular, it's a lot like our government and politics. I mean, the people have to rise up inside the organization and say, we're taking this thing back because right now it's a... It's a dictatorship and it needs to be a democracy. And it's people are uh, afraid. I would love to see people like all of you former Miss Americas just rise up and say, you know what? Either it's going to die on the vine right now the way it's going or we're going to take it back and rebuild it back up to to something of because it's not just tradition. I mean, Miss America, I I, I was born in 1977. That thing is an iconic thing in yes. America. It's not just a pageant. It's it's like it, it was a right. big deal and it, it still should be. Right. And, you know, taking away the swimsuit competition because some man might objectify us. You know, it's just like, <laughs> welcome to the you world. Know, welcome. Hello. Yes, this is the world. Like I said earlier, there will always be bad people in this world. Always. You can't do anything about it. But I'm certainly not going to let some person out there keep me from rocking a swimsuit on national television. Like, that is empowering. That is why I got in shape in the first place. You know, before I started competing in MAO, I didn't care about my body or what I looked like. But then I said, oh, my gosh, I have to compete in a swimsuit competition. I better start getting in shape. I better start taking care of myself. That is why... I have the body I have today, why I started working out, why I started caring about what I ate was because of that swimsuit competition. And now I just feel like that motivation is gone for girls, you know, to, to take care of themselves. And that was something so huge for me personally and why I started taking care of myself. It just, it makes me so sad, but just to take it away because some person might objectify us out there. Girls know what they're signing up for. For almost 100 years, girls know I'm signing up to walk in a swimsuit, and I am proud of that. Well, Why? I think that's the okay. one thing that I, I don't think a lot of people understand is for a ton of you, and I'm not saying everybody, you want to be seen in a swimsuit. Let's be honest. Absolutely. I mean, it's Instagram today. Everybody wants to be seen like that. Absolutely. And, and you know, what they should have done is they should have gotten someone like Ashley Graham, who is rocking her body as a plus size woman in swimsuits, in lingerie, as a model. She's incredible. And Miss USA has utilized her a ton. And it's been amazing. We need people like Ashley Graham out there saying, we want you plus size girls. We want you girls of all shapes and sizes to come compete in our pageant. Pageant. Yes, I said it. Pageant is not a bad word. (laughs) We want you girls to come compete. 
We don't, we're not going to say that we're going to take this away so that you can com- compete. We want you in a swimsuit. We want you to feel confident and love yourself and rock it on this stage. That is what they should have done. And instead, they made it sound like we don't want to see plus-size girls in swimsuits, which is so messed up. And that, that is the way it's coming across to me. Well, and, you know, they're, they're never going to get what they're after. And I think they're after like a moral utopia. Like it's going to be this perfect heavenly place at one point right. where everybody's accepted and there's no bad blood between it. It's just never going to happen. And I never, uh, you know, but like I said, uh, I don't, there will always be bad people in the world. And that's Can't confirmed in the Bible, that. by the way. I mean, it's it's a it's an eternal fact. I mean, it's just part of what it is. But look, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. I certainly don't want to take up the whole hour bashing the organization. Yes, but I, I, know. I think we it's talk hours I, I know. And I, I, I guarantee you every Miss America I have on is probably going to be the same way. And I love that because I think it's important that the world hears this. I mean, I'm sure for every Absolutely. Miss America girl listening right now, they're going, you go, Betty, you go, keep saying <laughs> it, keep doing it. And I love it. Oh my goodness. I hope so. I, I, and I, and I do pray that, that one day we can get it back to its former glory. And I hope so too. And I'm, uh, I'm obviously a very vocal advocate of that and I hope it happens and I'll certainly be on the forefront of the battle if I can be. Um, awesome. Okay. So let's talk about your life um, and in particular your music. Now, anybody that saw Miss America heard the incredible pipes that you have and the operatic music that you were singing. But you have this other side in which um, the first time I heard your music, the at least for me, the person that came to mind is you sound like Carrie Underwood. And I was like, oh, wow. my goodness. I thank mean, you. In, yeah. <laughs> incredible. I, I listened to your nicotine album and I was just blown away. And uh, I can't imagine you not succeeding. So let's talk about your music career and kind of what's happening there. Well, thank you so much for saying I sound You're like Carrie welcome. Underwood. She's, she's one of my music idols. So thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I've been studying voice since, or classical voice since I was 14. Um, I started working with the head of the vocal department of uh, Wesleyan College in Georgia and um, when I was 14 years old. And so my, that was my eighth grade year. And then so through high school, I continued working with her. And then, of course, when I went to college, um, I was a vocal performance major, so I continued working at Mercer University with um, another vocal coach. But so I've, I've been studying classical voice since age 14. And so uh, w- that's why I chose classical opera for Miss America and Miss Georgia. I just feel like that, like opera just is, it, it requires a certain skill level that I really feel like um, is I don't know. It just show it shows a certain skill level on the on the stage. You know, when you're performing your talent, in instead of doing you know a Broadway piece or a country piece, which I also love singing, I just mm-hmm. felt like choosing opera was just kind of like okay, here's what I can do. So, but I, I it was hard for me to choose. You know, I obviously asked or sought the help of many different people on what you know what I should sing, but. Thomas Barnett. I don't know if you know him. I, I know who he is. I don't know him personally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's actually who definitely chose opera for me was like, you need to sing opera. And uh, he chose my song Tutu Piccolo Idio, which I was just, I just was in love with. And um, I sang that at Miss Georgia both years and at Miss America. And uh, always one talent with it. It never failed me. But um now I've sort of moved away from opera just because uh, it's not my favorite genre to sing. Yes, I can sing it and I love to sing it, but I really, really love Broadway. I love belting. I love those high belt notes in the country music genre. I just love it. So when I first moved to Nashville, I wanted to sing country music. And I recorded my album with my producer, Steve Ivey, who I met while I was Miss America. And um, 
he and I recorded my entire album and I actually wrote two of the songs on my album. Um, so I'm, including the song nicotine and then another song called sway, which was mine and Spencer's first dance at our wedding that I actually wrote that about Spencer. So oh, it was cool. really sweet. It was really cool. Um, I did not sing it at our wedding. It was just the recording of me singing it. I, a lot of people asked me, did you, did I sing at my wedding? And I was like, heck no, no. <laughs> There's enough I, pressure that no, day. Yeah. I just, you know what? I perform for a living. I don't want to perform at my wedding. I didn't, I didn't want to be like, uh, even though it is, your wedding is supposed to be all about you. I didn't want to be like, it's all about me. I don't know. It was weird. But, but anyway, so I, I recorded my album and, you know, wrote those songs and I really, really was so proud of it. But I, I, I realized more and more that, you know, it's really hard to make money in the music industry um, because, you know, people get their music for free now. And it's, it's the music industry has changed so much and people don't pay for music anymore. Um, they get their music for free, Pandora, Spotify, all of that. So um, I started, you know, focusing on my acting and modeling and speaking and my book and uh, started really moving towards those other genres of my life. And uh, I really want to pursue those as hard as I can and make it as big as I can so that one day I can go back to my singing and put all of my focus on that so that I can actually make a living singing and acting. I would love to be in one of those, um, one of the Disney live action movies. I'm so happy that those are happening because it's like my singing and acting are coming together in in such a cool way through those films. And I would love, you know, I'm getting so many cool auditions through my agency. And, and uh, I think my dream would be to be in a Disney live action film that would just Oh, that would be the end all be all for me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, look, Atlanta's not a bad place to be. It's basically Hollywood Plan B at this point. I mean, Atlanta has oh, really goodness. blown up over these last, uh, I don't know, five to ten years. It is, and that was such a huge reason why I was so okay with buying a house in Atlanta um, because, you know, Nashville's like L.A. now. You know, it's so expensive. It's crazy. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I don't even mind moving back to Atlanta because that is like Hollywood now. I mean, more films are being filmed in Atlanta than in LA now. So it's, it's crazy. So um, definitely staying busy out here. And I, I have very high hopes with my agency and um, getting more and more parts. So it's been really fun. I've done some really cool commercials so far and um, some really cool auditions for some TV shows. So it's been really, really interesting. And, and something I've definitely learned throughout my time doing music, doing acting, you know, modeling, all of that is being able to take no as an answer, being able to be rejected and be okay with it. You know, you have to, it it really builds a thick skin. Uh, I've been rejected so many times. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that, don't see that because, you know, social media is 10% of our lives. And, you know, most people only share the good, but um, I've actually, you know, I've been rejected many, many times, been told, no, you're not, you're not what we're looking for. And it, that's really hard, but it's definitely made me tougher. It's made me build a thick skin. And, you know, the fact that I haven't given up yet, I'm really proud of myself. And, and uh, you know, I'm just going to keep pushing for it as, as long as I can. And that's what I tell, you know, everyone that I meet, all of my, fo- all my followers, you know, all the girls I met while I was Miss America, don't give up on your dreams because you're going to be told no so many times. But that's no reason to give up. 
you just have to keep trying, pick yourself back up and begin again and begin again. God is still good. He's still with you. Well, speaking of your personal experiences, you mentioned earlier, you have a book that is out for pre-order right now on Amazon. And I know you're very excited about the release of this. So can number one, can you tell everybody the name of the book? And then number two, tell us what it's all about. Absolutely. So my book is called Miss Unlikely. And um, Miss Unlikely is is my autobiography, obviously. And uh, it's it's actually says Miss Unlikely from Farm Girl to Miss America. So um, it's just the story of my life. And I'm using it as sort of a motivational, inspirational book. And I, I'm the way I'm doing that is I'm using the stories from my life from literally my birth to current day, um, present day and to I'm using all those stories to my, you know, my mishaps, my struggles, my dark times, my awesome times, you know, my failures, my successes, wins, losses. I'm using all those stories to hopefully relate to kids today, anyone who picks up my book, to be able to read my stories and relate them back to their own personal lives and be like, oh, okay, well, this is how she dealt with this everyday issue. So maybe I'm going to try it that way. Or she got through this dark time. Maybe I can get through mine. And I feel like my stories are so relatable. I I talk about everything from my awkward phase in middle school to my first kiss to boys, boyfriends, how to find the right guy for you. You know, it's really a self-help book through all of my failures in life. So um, (laughs) all of my embarrassing moments, let them comfort you and help you get through your embarrassing moments. So uh, it's, it's a very vulnerable position for me. I keep talking about that on my Instagram um, about my book. It's just, it's a very, it's more vulnerable position than I've ever been in. More vulnerable than walking in a swimsuit in front of millions of people. Uh, Just opening up my life to the world, basically telling them stories that I don't think most people know about me, um, you know, just breakups in, in high school and, you know, liking a boy who had a girlfriend, you know, just things like that, that seem so trivial and everyday, but they're things that in today's society, kids struggle with so much because of the pressures of social media and the pressures of, you know, being a kid in this technological age. Uh, I feel like they need somebody to, to look to for help in those small things, you know, because of those, because of those pressures. So even talking about, like I said, like my first kiss and how did I, how did I feel about that? And how did I think it was going to be like, and what was, what was it actually like? Things as simple as that, I feel like is really going to help kids today who are struggling with this, like I said, social media age. Well, you mentioned that, you know, 10% of our lives is social media. Most people only put out the things that are, you know, their highlight reel, of course. Uh, right. They don't want anybody to know about their insecurities. What I love about what you're doing in the book is, uh, and this is something that I had talked about with another author that I had on by the name of Heather Monahan, um, is that when you basically admit all of your insecurities, all the things that you've struggled with in your life, it puts you in a position of power because now those things that you're worried that people might, you know, accuse you of or make fun of you for or any of that, it's all out there. And you can be like, yeah, I already said that. I know. Don't worry. And it's, it puts you in a place where it's like, now I'm powerful because you have nothing on me. I already know what my faults are. What else do you have? And I think it's great exactly. that you kind of show that to other people on how to do that. Exactly. And, and I did, I did that with, you know, while I was Miss America with tripping in my evening gown, you know, and my Tom Brady, my, my Tom Brady question and, you know, losing my earrings twice 
during the night. I, <laughs> I talk about that in my, in every keynote address that I gave while I was Miss America, I talked about, you know, oh my gosh, I, I tripped in my evening gown, not once, but twice on the runway. You know, it's just things like that where it's like, oh my gosh, that was probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. It's like the most stereotypical thing you could possibly do is trip in your evening gown on stage and, you know, fumble your haha football joke fumble your onstage question <laughs> and you know talking about those things and just putting your insecurities out there on the table like that it makes other people feel more comfortable about their insecurities as well and that's the whole idea behind my book is just making people feel a little bit less insecure about themselves because guess what you know I have some crazy insecurities too and and you might think I'm this perfect Miss America with you know a big following on social media and it's perfect life but people don't know half of the things that I've been through or the things that I'm going through or you know even just this past year dealing with my husband's mother's suicide um, something like that, that that people just you know they don't believe that such horrible things can happen to people who seem to have these perfect lives on social media. When something that hard hits you, you know, it's just nobody knows what that's like. And I and I did put a chapter in my book about dealing with that alone, you know, just dealing with that as, you know, as a married woman, how did it affect my marriage? How did it affect me? How did it affect my husband? And just how did we get through it? I mean, it was one of the, the hardest things I've ever been through. And um, I made sure to put a section in there about that, you know, just really opening up about the hardest parts of my life, just hoping that somebody picks up my book and it helps them too. Well, look, I am uh, personally appreciative of that because, um, you know, what you guys dealt with this year um, I lost both my parents this year in a, a matter of five months, and I've very I've been very close to the uh -huh. code about it. I haven't talked about it, but yeah, it is like those are the things in life that no one can teach you. You can't go to a class for you. Can't right. take it, you know, anything at a university. And it's like, how do you deal with it? Um, I'm sure I'll come out eventually and talk about it. I haven't really, but I love the fact that you guys are putting that out there because that is such a unique situation that there is no school right. for it. It's like you know. Betty can at least tell me what it was like and, and maybe how I can cope with it. So thank you for that. Thank you for thanking me. <laughs> I'm really excited and I, I really, really hope that it, it, it does help someone, any, anyone, if it helps just like one person. And one thing in particular, just about, you know, losing Spencer's mother was just that, you know, how it affected me being the wife. And, you know, a lot of people would think, you know, well, it wasn't your mom. You know, why is it so hard for you? And I researched so much looking for some kind of book or some article that was just about a wife losing a mother-in-law to suicide. And there was just nothing. There was nothing that I could find that could help me. Like you were saying, you know, there's no, there's no school, there's no class, but there are books for people, you know, who have a mother that they lose to suicide or a brother or a sister or, you know, whatever, but there's nothing for the wife or from the wife's perspective. And it affected me so deeply. And I just felt so sad for anybody else who may be going through that, that might be looking for help like I was. And, you know, thankfully I have my faith that helped me so much. I have my husband who's just the strongest person I know um, and my family, but there are people out there who have no one who maybe don't have strong faith. And, you know, I, I, I made sure that I put that chapter in my book because I, I know that it, it would have helped me. And it, I hope that it will help someone out there who may be struggling with the same thing. And it is available for pre-order. When is it out live and print and ready to go? It is going to be out uh, October 1st. 
And yes, it is available for pre-order right now on Amazon, and it will be in multiple bookstores. Um, I'm not quite sure yet, but I will be announcing all of that very soon. And I know that you do keep your toe dipped in the pageant world as well. You do some consulting and coaching. Um, tell everybody yes. kind of, you know, how they can contact you if they're interested in that. Absolutely. Um, and you know, that's another thing I talk about in my book is just all the different coaches that I worked with and how how to tell the good coaches from the not so good coaches. And the experience that I had with a not so good coach is what made me want to even be a coach. I just wanted to be a good coach that people can trust is not going to try to change you or mold you into this, you know, cookie cutter pageant girl or, or tell you what to say. These were her statements that aren't even really her, you know, it's just, them changing you. And I dealt with that so much. And I, I wanted to make sure that I created an outlet for girls who want coaching, but don't want to be changed, just want to become better versions of themselves. And that's what made me want to be a coach. So um, yeah, you can contact me. My email is on my Instagram page. You just tap the email button and, uh, or of course my website, bettymaxwell.net and uh, contact me. And I would love to work with you and just make you a better you. And I, those coaches you were talking about, I think I, I think we've, I refer to them as pageant petty coaches because that's basically what they turn you into is the the robot of a pageant contestant. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I talk about that so much in my book, you know, even coaches that put you down and make you feel bad about yourself. I, I had I had a coach like that and it's just really, it, it really rocked my world. And um, I don't want that, but you know, it's that stereotype that we keep talking about that I'm just dying to break through and make not real. So I, as in my strive, striving to do that, I started pageant coaching. So I, I really want girls to have a, a healthy option for a coach that just honestly wants to help them be better versions of themselves. Well, there's one more thing I wanted to point people to. I, I actually ran across it while I was browsing through your website last night, and that is your wedding video. Wow. Wow. For all the hopeless romantics who are listening out there, if you want to see a romantic video, uh, you guys nailed it. Uh, I don't know what company you worked with, but they did such a good job, oh, and it's uh, it's just a beautiful video. Moving Pictures Productions. Uh, oh my gosh! Thank you so much. You're so sweet. That <laughs> I I mean, they did do an incredible job. I, I was blown away. And yeah, Spencer and I don't have a very conventional story. Yeah, we met on Tinder. We're so weird. <laughs> oh, that's all right. My but, wife and I met on Match, so that's cool. Hey, yes, good for you. But yeah, you know, you, God has a plan, and you know that's just the way He wanted us to meet. So. So that's the way he wanted you and your wife to meet. When you're soulmates, you just know. So yeah, y'all go check out my wedding video. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, super happy for the both of you. Um, so at this point, it's time for our uh, get to know you rapid fire questions. I know you listened to the Woo-hoo! Sarah Rose Summer podcast. You kind of heard her go through it. So we, we'll kind of go through the same thing here. I might even ask you a couple of similar questions that I asked her. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So real quick, Miss America, what is the best thing about winning the national title? Oh my goodness. Oh, the best thing about being Miss America is being able to, the influence, the influence that you have. Like I said before, the crown on your head, it is like a microphone and people will listen. And I, I love that. I love being able to spread that message of positivity, putting smiles on the faces of everyone I see just because of that crown on my head and that title. I love that. Number two, biggest area of your life you improved in because of pageantry. Oh my goodness, my speaking, my public speaking. 
I, I never would have thought I would become a motivational speaker, but because of being Miss America, you know, you're just thrust into this role and all of a sudden you have to be a good speaker. So that definitely gave me more confidence, taught me how to be an independent woman. And uh, yeah, definitely my motivational speaking as well. Awesome. Number three, who was your idol as a little girl? Oh my goodness. These are hard questions. Um, my idol, uh, I guess I would say Carrie Underwood because I just always loved her voice. I always loved her songs and her music. And yeah, I love her. Carrie Underwood. Perfect. Well, you obviously are doing a good job in that realm. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Number four, if you could compete again, would you do anything differently? I wouldn't compete in Miss America right now. Um, I would compete in... <laughs> If I could compete again right now, I would compete at Miss USA. All right, good. Very good. Number five, what is your dream job if you aren't already living it? I am living it. Um, I am living my dream job. I get to work with my husband 24-7. We're together all the time. He's my best friend. I love it. And I, we're pursuing our dreams together, risking it all to achieve these crazy outlandish dreams. But, you know, anything's possible if you just put in the work and we are doing that so that is, praying that, is, that we get to continue this lifestyle that is cool number six is fame all it's cracked up to be you know what fame is awesome but it, you know like everything it has its hardships it has its not so great things um but you know i, I love having an influence like i keep talking about i love being able to be a source of good a source of happiness, a source of, you know, spreading God's word. I feel like that's so important. And as, as a, you know, quote unquote famous person, I wouldn't call myself famous, but you know, whatever. I'll do it um, for you. As a, thank you all. <laughs> as a former Miss America, let's say it like that. I love being able to be a source of good in the world and using that quote unquote fame to spread God's love and actually just be a light in this dark world. Number seven, are you a dog or cat person? Dog. Woo woo. Love my dog. What kind of dog do you have? We have two teacup Yorkies, Moose and Batman, my, my, my practice children, as I call them. Number eight, have you ever gone to a movie alone? Never. Oh, I, I don't think I could ever do that. I would feel so awkward. <laughs> 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 Number nine. If after this interview you stepped outside, found a lottery ticket that ends up winning $10 million, what would you do with the money? Oh my goodness. I would, first, I would move to Nashville and buy a really big house with some land like I used to live on. Not, not as much land, not 675 acres, just a big piece of property with some animals and live happily ever after with my husband and travel to Hawaii. The fairy tale. I love it. <laughs> All right, last one, number 10. Name one bucket right. list item that you still want to accomplish in your life. Oh, to be a Disney princess. Like, not not be a Disney princess at Disney World. I mean, like, to like the be live action a movie. Disney princess. Like, live action movie of a new Disney princess or, you know, an old Disney princess. Or to be the voice of a cartoon new princess that they develop. That well, is it my sounds dream. like you're definitely on that path. Thank you so much. Well, gosh, this has been uh, really, really fun. And I appreciate how candid, number one, you've been and just uh, honest about everything. And uh, so excited for what the future holds for you. Because like I said, I think you sound like Carrie Underwood. 
You obviously have so many different talents. You're a beautiful woman. There's just a lot of good things happening for you and uh, just all the best for you. I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. And, and yes, I think being real and being authentic and candid is the most important thing we can all do and be. So uh, I thank you so much for having me on to share that. And um, yeah, God bless. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Betty Maxwell for her time. Now, if you want to follow Betty's journey, check out her website. It's BettyMaxwell.net, or you can follow her on social media at Real Betty Maxwell. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to LifeAfterTheCrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.